You are now listening to LFL Talk with Adri and Marcus. Hello and welcome to LFL Talk episode 6 with me, Adri Mallows. I'm pleased to say I am joined by my favourite co-host, your favourite co-host, you know the drill by now, everybody's favourite co-host, it's Marcus Henson. Round of applause for the big man. How are you, sir? I'm good, loving the intro. Well, you know, I've got to big you up. You are my favourite co-host, my only co-host when it comes to American football and LFL, um, as the awesome EJ is no longer able to do it. But in other news, for our Spitball listeners, if you also uh, listen to that podcast, EJ may be making a return at some point this season. Don't worry, Marcus, it's not going to be to take your seat, but he may very well end up being a guest on the show, so stay tuned. Here is the news. I want to start this episode by talking about the new global league structure that has been announced by the LFL. For me, this is a major piece of news and a major announcement that came fresh out of the league. Legends Football League global officials have announced a new global league structure that will take effect as of January 2015. Currently, the LFL operates as a single entity formation which wholly owns and operates LFL USA, LFL Canada, LFL Australia and soon LFL Europa. The new structure will include LFL Americas which will encompass USA, Canada, Central America and Mexico clubs. LFL Oceana which will include Australia and New Zealand based clubs. And of course LFL Europa which will include all European-based clubs. They've also suggested that once every four years, two clubs from LFL Americas, one club from LFL Oceana, and one club from LFL Europa will all meet in a single elimination tournament. Big news there, I think, Marcus. Yeah, I love it. I love the idea, especially the sounds of what pretty much in uh, short-term words means LFL World Cup, baby! Exactly, yeah, you know that when they're putting together a tournament like that, that sort of tournament can only get bigger. But before we continue, here is what Mr. Mortaza had to say on LFL Commissioner's Corner, episode 77, available on their YouTube channel. There has been a conscious change in the past month to 45 days. And that's been, hey, let's bring in partnerships from the outside world that are strategic in the sense that let's bring in investment groups really so we can take this to the next level you know and that's what happened for example with the ufc you know they weren't the ufc until the fertitas injected nearly 50 million dollars i mean and they burned through that 50 million in the first two years uh, until they really became who they are now um wwe anybody of significance you know, we in the past five years have done what you're supposed to do as a sport. You're supposed to lay the foundation of what it is and take it as far as you can without bringing in that investment group. Because what happens if you know anything about the business side of sports, you walk away with nothing when you're done with the sport because they've, in essence, built it for you. We've been a very unique way that we've done it ourselves. Now we're in a position where in the next two, three years, hell, in the next six months, you're going to start hearing strategic investor groups coming in you're going to hear um you know an agency of record that's a global agency of record that does everything from consumer product licensing to themed restaurant lounges really trying to take all of that off my plate so i can get back to having a normal life because five years of 16 hour days is not good for anybody 
and honestly, for the betterment of the sport, you know, and, and so we get to have the fans ultimately have a better product because it'll be far more marketed. It'll be on much bigger platforms. It, uh, you know, it, overall, the atmosphere is going to be very different. That's the significance of this W Group partnership because it's the first match that's lit toward a completely separate business direction that I think is important for everybody. You know, fans, players, hell, you guys, yeah. Uh, yeah. everybody. So Very exciting. that's why we're taking that route. I think that just goes to show you that much though, you know, he obviously wants to keep control of the league. He's realized that now is the time if the sport is to move forward in a positive way that it is time for him to bring on partners. And to be fair, like he said, it does make good business sense that he has stayed so long in charge of the league and now he's looking to develop the product moving forward. Yeah, you've got, you've got the product. You've, you've spent five years ironing out all the kinks. It's, uh, it's ready to go. It's nicely packaged. And now you can just hand that over to someone else. Um, you know, just they let, them, let someone else take on the next step create a bigger, better um, sport experience um, for the fans, the players, and everybody involved. Definitely. And moving on from that, if you want to read the full article, then there will be a link to it in our show notes. Also to say that you can, of course, watch all of Commissioner's Corner episode 77 on their LFL official YouTube channel, and that's www.youtube.com forward slash my LFL. The world's fastest growing sport arrives to YouTube. Legends Football League. Break their confidence. Keep breaking their confidence. They've got nothing. They want to brawl. They don't want to play football. Intensity. Beauty. Subscribe to this channel and gain access into locker rooms inside the huddle. Every other time they run at the outside, they keep hitting it. Get to know your favorite players. The one thing I want to do is just make everyone happy. Give 100%. And full-length games in high definition. Subscribe and never miss out on LFL Action. We now move on to more player-orientated news. And through the joys of Twitter, I have actually seen that Jessica Hopkins is going to be retiring this year, which is bad news for Seattle, bad news for Seattle fans, and the league is losing another one of its key players. It seems to be that way. You're getting a lot of the people who who sort of started up. Uh, of course, we had... Well, I mean, it's still not 100% confirmed whether Danica Brace is gone, but you're starting to see that 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 sort of first kind of generation, sort of Hopkins, Braces. They start. I mean, we had a few last year with like the Annie Earlies of the world. They called it a day. So you're just starting to get a rotation over. So now the the van, the vanguards, the veterans, they're calling it time. It's, it's time now. You, you're looking to to look back at what they've done as the leagues progress. They progress with it. And now you're looking forward to the new stars that are going to come through and the rookies of this year. You know, guys, the uh, the path is laid down for you. You know, you watch these these greats make their name. What are you now going to do taking it forward? Indeed, but you say that it's not definite that Danica Brace is going to retire. But this little soundbite may prove otherwise. All right, guys. Uh, Danica. Now, she, uh, you know, it's just one of those pleasures that you, when you create this league, to have people like this in it, you know, 
that can be a leader when all the everything's going south on you with a franchise. To have one person in there that gives you, you know, that can rally the troops, that doesn't bail on you, that's loyal. You can't put a price tag. You know, it's like you wish you had that on every franchise. Okay, and I don't whether this is her last game or not. I'm betting it's not, but in case it is, you can't let somebody like this go out without acknowledging her, and we're going to acknowledge her a big way with the league. She's been the face of this thing for a long time. Football. Football comes and goes. It's the people that matter, and she's one of the best. There you go. You guys know I never cry, so it's a hell of an honor, but um, it's not something that, that I cherish, that I honor. It's something that is, is a sense of fulfillment, because each one of you is why I stayed here. Okay, I'm not going to lie, there's plenty of times I want to walk out the door. Yes, I love the sport, but you guys became my family. I'm my true family, and thank you for playing with me again. It feels amazing, but whether we're on the field or off the field, you guys are just incredible women. You have such bright futures, and it has nothing to do with football. Yes, and you're a hell of a quarterback. You're going to have a great season next year, and for five or six more years. I don't even know. Marky, you stepped up. I can't even I've never seen something so little carry so much power, okay? But you guys are great people, and the LFL is done something for me. It has shaped me. It has taught me a lot of life lessons and it definitely teaches you a little bit about adversity. And that's what I just talked to Sydney about. Whether you have an incredible game or one bad game all season, you don't get to hang your head because you're learning how to lose and how to handle adversity. And I am so proud of you. Don't cry, please stop. <laughs> so anyways, um, like I said, thank you um, for sticking out with me all year and committing to me even when I bit you out. Because I love every single one of you and it comes from love, okay? So this game, I mean this game ball is for the Las Vegas City. I don't acknowledge you as much as I want to, but you're just like my idol. Like I started with you. I was so proud and honored to play with you my first all-star season. It was like the honor of my life. And then you came out, and that's the only reason that I stayed in Las Vegas. I was done. But I wanted to play under you one more time. So thank you. So I don't think you can tell me after an emotional speech like that that she is going to not retire this year. I, I just don't know about it. I mean, there's been, been a lot of talks about it. Like there you heard... In the, in the beginning of the clip, Mitch says he doesn't know whether or not she is or not. But if it is, he wants to give her a proper send out. And then again, latest episode of Commissioner's Corner. As Mitch is talking to uh, uh, Marky Henderson of the uh, Las Vegas scene, he, he says that, you know, with the team they got at the moment, if they were to have another year and twist Danica's arm to come and play again, they could have a really strong team. So I, I've, I think a lot of people are still not sure. Danica, let us know. You know, is it is it is it really goodbye or... Or, or can we expect to see you again next year? Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to find out. But as I say, I, I think I think it is her swan song. And what a great player she's been for the We acknowledged it on the last episode. But I think when you get a player that comes along of her quality, I think 
you can't acknowledge her enough as to everything she's given to the game and to the league uh, as well. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's the same as the, the topic we started on Hopkins, is that you're, you're sitting there going, this, this, this group that we've had and that we've been watching the last couple of years, they've made it the enjoyable sport that's got us into it, you know, that, that I've fought with such passion to make it a real sport. You know, this whole... Um, these people who, who haven't actually watched the sport but want to sort of brand it as, you know, women in bikinis running around, they've said there, they've gone out there, they've fought their hardest and they've slapped these people in the face and said, we are real sport, we hit hard, we play hard and we mean to actually, you know, make something of this. And I think they are going to mean a lot, say, five years down the line. They're going to be the visionaries who, who helped pave the way. Absolutely. And staying with Las Vegas, just want to come back to Cindy Cummings. Now... Obviously, this has not been confirmed, but for those of you who listened to the Rachel Lockyer interview on our LFL Talk Extra episode, we'll note that she mentioned that there was an American quarterback coming into Queensland. Now, I also know from the fantastic Twitter that Cindy Cummings has bought plane tickets to Queensland so are we going to put two and two together and just assume that she's going to be the new quarterback for the Queensland Brigade if you haven't listened to it guys go and have a listen to it make your own opinion of it for me I, I would strongly suggest yes I think uh, let's face it if you're if you're like like Cindy you're 19 year old in on the cusp of to sort of the biggest new thing to come out this sport I, I think she'd want to go and take her game and improve it out on the grass of Australia and so that way she can she can continue her development so I'd, I'd, I'd have to put a good sort of 80% to 90% of my probability factor sort of you know how I like to just throw all my chips on the table and hope the cards are going my way absolutely um, I'm not gonna say all in because it could just be that she's going out there just to to learn from them rather than play and you know taking some of their the differences you know, from their game, American game to Australian game. But I'd, I'd strongly suggest that if she's going to buy a plane ticket, she's going out there. Because, of course, now that the, the Sins season's over, now would be a great time to get in there while they're still in Australian off-season, getting ready for October. Yep, and we'll stick with LFL Australia with the next bit of news. And that is that LFL Australia is now going to partner with Everite as the official trophy maker slash partner. And also, the LFL Australia Season 2 schedule has been released. It was released on the 16th of July, and we will put a link to the schedule in the show notes so you can see those six games for every team that we were talking about on the last episode. And also, we've heard that the playoff games will be held in Sydney. So that's Sydney for the playoffs. And of course we know Amy Park in Melbourne for the legends cup final. And finally, the last bit of news I have before I hand over to see what my good co-host Marcus has is to announce that the hall of fame ceremony, which the inaugural one will take place in Los Angeles this year has been announced for Friday, the 5th of September and a reminder of the nominees for this year's Hall of Fame. The qualifying characteristics were that you had to have played at least four seasons, whether that be three in the US and one in Canada or four in the US. The nominees this year are Monique Gaxiola, linebacker for Los Angeles Temptation, and of course also played for the New South Wales Surge. 
We have the 3P Championship coach, Coach Bizzup, is also up for nomination. Mary Rose Roach of the Philadelphia Passion, who unfortunately we, we're not getting a chance to see this year. And finally, Heather Rockstaff uh, is the last nomination for this year. So putting your chips in again, Marcus, any thoughts on who that's going to sway towards? I think it's got to be Coach Bissop, hasn't it? The three-peat coach. I, it just it would make sense that you know such a legacy and dynasty that first came into the league bang first in the hall of fame as well but then on the flip side to that you also have someone who was a three-peat championship player and won the inaugural lfl australia legends cup in monique gaxiola i think all of them deserve a place in there and i think whether they are in this year or not i think they will definitely find themselves in there in subsequent years you're looking at sort of four people who definitely deserve to be in the hall of fame i have to agree so you're edging your bets effectively is what you're trying to tell me i'm putting an adri and i'm actually hedging my bets yeah wowzers hey man it's only me that's allowed to do that on this show to finish off with the news is there anything you have to add marcus only one last little bit of player news and that is that coming up to what's going to be a great end of season game of jacksonville breeze versus atlanta steam on saturday august 16th um anyone who's got the old uh twitter instagram where were we before the likes of twitter and instagram we can see that dakota hughes has got her cast off and she's throwing the pigskin about again so good news to steam fans that she's going to be hopefully ready to uh, take on quite a clinching game. And that's going to be a massive game and I think a great game as well. If Jacksonville, despite having all that time off, if they can pull it together for the one game, we know the quality that they have, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And the Steam as well, they've been playing really well and they've got some great offensive weapons who we'll talk about later, in particularly Naz Johnson. This is Tony from Delicious in Hemel. If you like a bit of banter with your sandwiches, then come on down to us. We do baguettes, ciabattas, paninis. We can even discuss the LFL with you. So why don't you come and give us a try? And if you want some more details of our menu, see the links on the Legends Lounge page. Now we move on to our game recap. What I'd like to do is come back to some of the games that we briefly mentioned in the last podcast, but unfortunately we hadn't had the privilege of seeing the game footage yet because of the the time delay on on when it's released on the the YouTube channel. So we're going to start with the Week 11 Friday night game between Atlanta Steam and Toledo Crush. Marcus, I'm going to come to you first, my friend. Uh, Yeah, no, it was... uh... An interesting game, to say the least. Uh, it was one that we were all looking forward. I mean, the, the main talking point was, of course, the fact that there was no Dakota Hughes at quarterback. Yeah, that was massive for them. And, and Nettles came in and I thought she was pretty average. She did what she needed to do. But then there was a few what we would class as schoolboy errors in there, which had their coach going insane, as we uh, remember from the audio clip from the last podcast as well. Especially in the NFL, we, we've noticed that backups tend to be very backup-y if that's a, a real term but you know it's uh the level between what seems to be starters and backup quarterbacks is is greatly exaggerated but um yeah she did what she needs to do but she had all her her weapons around her stepped up and sort of really helped it out yeah and particularly as i was just mentioning there in the the new segment naz johnson who finished the game against toledo with three touchdowns 
yes. I mean, you watched her. I mean, she, she came off quite a, a bad injury last year. And the way, the quick cut she was making, she, she ran low to the ground. She was really difficult for the, the crush to get hold of. And so she just exploited that. And um, uh, one thing I wanted to actually do is actually want to say, actually, with her actual offensive line, the way it overpowered the Toledo defense was was one of the most impressive ones as well, which helped her to 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 run so impressively. Yeah, and also the fact that we know that the Toledo defense aren't really the greatest, and in this game, their bad defense showed. There was also a lot of penalties by Toledo as well. I thought unnecessary penalties. And I'm starting to wonder how much of that, and I hate to say it because he is a rookie coach and he's still learning, but um, I do wonder how much of that does come down to, to Coach Kelly. This was the game, of course, that he had the ins- uh, moment of insanity. Unfortunately, he got caught on camera, mic'd up, shouting at his players, who wants to play? When they were down so far, down into the fourth quarter, basically pulling on seven players at random to kind of just get on with it, um, sort of showing... F- the ultimate frustration in the coach almost bordering giving up. Yeah, and you, you never need to see that, especially from your coach. And you, you could never see Coach Hack, for example, or Coach Michelson ever doing doing that kind of thing. Even if they're down that badly, they wouldn't lose the, the plot to that degree, I don't think. No. One one other thing for me was the fact there was just so much placed on the likes of Tamar Finnell. Though The problem is everyone's sort of clued up on it now. She's got one rushing touchdown all season. People have clued up onto the fact that she is the weapon. But offensively as well, a lot of rumours going around that um, Erica Hoffman actually played the game with what was pretty much a dislocated shoulder. Yeah, you mean that she hadn't fully recovered from the, the separation in the last game? Yeah, and you could tell the timing was off. The, the power behind just wasn't there, clearly playing under some kind of, uh, of stress. But that's not to take away from what the Steam did do. I mean, they played amazing in what was actually, I don't know if you picked up on it, which was pretty much an empty stadium. Yeah, it was. It, it was really bad for attendances. Yeah, it's, it's not much of one, not much of a home field advantage. I think I might have found the source, which was a little bit of geeky trivia, but did you know that in the league, the tickets for the Huntingdon Centre, the Toledo Crush's home games, were the most expensive tickets this year in comparison to the rest of the league? That doesn't make any sense because they're not one of the best teams in the league. So I don't quite understand how they'd get away with charging so much. I checked it out because I, I wondered why they were so quiet and I got a bit geeky, did a bit of research and they were looking at about 10 bucks more expensive the same so i was doing just some of the tickets some of the tickets are only 10 bucks they are the really up in the heaven seats to put yourself as close to the action pretty much the most premium seats as it were in comparison to the rest of the league they were pushing something silly like we're talking like 70 bucks to be on player side hence why when you saw the players playing rows of empty seats because people had gone for the cheaper seats which were a tier above and stuff like this you compare that to with some of the other teams um, I was looking at like only like a week before or so we had over in in Las Vegas and the same same tickets that were selling for pretty much 70 bucks. You're, you're only paying about 40 for right on the sidelines in Las Vegas. And was that the 4th of July weekend when it was Vegas versus Chicago as well? That was. I mean, yeah, against Chicago, you're sitting there going 40 bucks um, to watch two pretty good teams going at it. A lot of potential there. Um, or 70 bucks to watch the crush. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, let's just finish off there. I mean, the final score in that game was Atlanta 40 and Toledo 13. Um, The only positive really for me 
on the crush side of things is Remy Olenzok. I think she is a great player on, on both sides of the ball and someone that can be really used. If they were to develop a kind of screen game, she could be a great receiver for that. Um, and we all know what she's like as a cornerback. Fantastic tackler, closes really quickly and always gives her all in, in every single game. Absolutely. The, uh, pretty much the star, you say star player, but she she was for the crush, uh, the uh, spirited little uh, tackler from the Steel City. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll leave the Toledo game there. And I think we've maybe even talked about it too much because they've been really, really disappointed for me this year. But we move on now to another disappointing team this year and that is Green Bay because it was of course the week 11 Saturday game was Chicago versus Green Bay what were your thoughts on that one sir not much really to say about this um Chicago came in and dominated is is the be all and end all of it really fair enough I think Harris again uh, the Ferrari Harris had a, a great game and the major talking points, really, for me, like you say, there wasn't too much from a from a football perspective, um, just because it was so one-sided. But we obviously have the Heather Fur celebration after the scoring the extra point, where she went into the crowd and had a sip of beer. That thing went viral, and that thing went viral very, very quickly, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, we 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 had proper big news corporations taking hold of this, and they just they lapped it up. Yeah, making uh, comparisons, saying how much would you get fined for this in the NFL and stuff like that. It was always going to be, you're trying to find stuff to keep this alive. I mean, for Green Bay, it just, nothing seemed to go right. Although I I picked out, especially, I mean, defensive, that needs, uh, well, that needs some work. But offensively, I want Green Bay fans and, um, you know, anyone associated, you know, take from what you got this. I think you've got a nice little offensive block here with receivers if you can find a quarterback finding a quarterback for next year is important um Heisman and Peyton as two great receivers and I really liked Ponza coming out as running back for this game I think she had a lot of spirit she showed it some real good signs some flashes of production yeah definitely is that uh, that's uh, Steph Ponza isn't it exactly I think if you can actually hold on to those three find a quarterback you've got your offense back but I'm afraid most of that defense needs a uh, reshuffling and retraining really definitely i think woeful just goes a little way of the i think woeful just goes a little way into explaining how bad their defense has been but on a positive note for chicago although there was no ali alberts who appeared to be rested in time for the playoff games i thought price actually played okay in this game she's kind of getting over those rookie nerves and and starting to put some plays together the whole offense, you know, everyone's been talking about talking, talking. Oh, it's just the Ferrari. It's just, you know, and I like to see the combo of run and pass, um, especially I think where they're going to make progress and you've got to take into their game plan going forward is the screens and the swing passes coming out the backfield, using someone like Dominic Collins and the Ferrari as, as they did coming out the, the that progression, that short, quick release passing that worked really well. And I think if you're going to do any damage in the off season uh in the postseason sorry that is where you're gonna have to build that game getting the defenses to to come up short biting on ferrari running so you have quick open lanes on the outside to um exploit yeah i, I totally agree and we'll we'll leave that game there again because we're getting on a bit for time so want to move on to the final game we're gonna recap for you today and that is uh toledo versus Omaha in week 12 now before 
we get on to our thoughts. Um, here is what Teresa Petrosello had to say about facing her old team. Now, be warned, the language is quite coarse, to say the least. Teresa Petrosello with the Omaha Heart. And tonight we play the Toledo Crush, my former team. And my first thoughts on that are fucking Tamar's shit up. Because all she does is run her mouth, and tonight we're going to shut her up. So, apart from the coarse language in there, a few few choice words to say from Teresa there about her former teammate. Yeah, a few. A few. To be fair, she did back it up, and she always does. She was pretty much everywhere on, on defence. Um, she comes in very useful on offence as well, but we know that she is a tackle machine. Yeah, she is. And was there a pick for her as well in this game? There was indeed a pick for her in this game, yes. And actually, thinking about it, it was a great pick as well, because it wasn't a necessarily a bad throw by Hoffman but Petrozella had to really go up and get that pick just off the line of scrimmage and a ball that you thought was going to receive was behind and somehow she just managed to get up there out of nowhere and pluck it out of the air yeah I, I think Hoffman just didn't see her and she just sat reading her all the way I, I'm not even sure I want to call this a game uh, at, at times it was spectacle would you say it was more like a training scrimmage uh, at t- yeah, I don't want to take any see this makes it sound like I'm bragging um, you know on both teams I don't want to do that because the heart heart came in with a game plan. They knew what they wanted to do. The defense is stout. They worked the things, um, the, the twitches on offense that they need to still didn't pull all of them off. There was a few too many drop passes for my liking, but I don't want to take anything away from the heart, but some of the other stuff that went on the crush, the referees, they made a farce out of some of this at times really did. And it was, it was hard to watch. It was, it was testing at times. So when you're talking about the officials there, are you talking about the fact that they made Toledo kick off twice, once at the start of the first half and once at the start of the second half? To start with, yes. The fact is you can't remember who kicked off the game. Secondly, that Toledo didn't kick up a storm about the fact. And most of the calls were slow to get to. The referee seemed undecisive. I, I just, To be fair... It sounds bad, but actually the rest were even worse than Toledo in this game. Oh, really? You you really think that? I really think uh, it's just it was shocking. It was at one point I wanted to give up watching at halftime, and I'm glad I didn't just to see the st- stupid reaction towards kicking off. I'm just I'm I'm bemused by it, but I honestly there was just so much about it that was that was wrong that I think really all you can do is sit here and just go. I hope Toledo don't give up as a franchise on the back of this. They say that you, you judge your season on your last game and the last game was a farce. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a few negative points there from the sport. The uh, There's a few bust-ups, wasn't there? A few what actually turned up into full-on full on boxing, really, even though it was on the floor. It was crazy, just full-on punch-ups, um, which we don't really like to see in, in any game. And something as well I wasn't really too keen on was... Um, Hoffman was struggling with the pressure and didn't make some great throws at times but was blaming her teammates for not being in the right place now again she's a rookie so we know on reflection she'll probably watch the game back and realize actually if you want to be the leader of a team you have to take responsibility for those kind of things and take responsibility for your actions because ultimately as the leader and the quarterback the buck stops with you Uh, yeah you wouldn't have thought she'd had a couple games under her belt she looked like this was first game out rookie mode this was like you said blaming others no leadership absolutely no not even from the coach no no leadership anywhere to be found unfortunately but like I said I don't want to just make it sound like the game was awful like I said heart I must admit I did love 
the whole Nebraska-styled hay, you know, on the field. They call their stadium the farm? Yes, they do. Yeah, they called it the farm. Yeah, I noticed a lot of hay in the end zone, which even resulted in some players slipping over in the hay as they got deep into the end zone. <laughs> but I did, I did love, I loved how the heart came into it. So if you're, if you're a heart player or fan listening, you guys, you gave it your all. And to be fair, thank you. You made it watchable. You really did at times. Watching your play, watching your defense work is sublime and you just overpowered. But by your performance, that game, that spectacle was unwatchable. Yeah, and so we're not seen to be full-on Toledo bashing. Let's just finish off with some positives on the Toledo front. I think with practice and experience, we know that Hoffman, I think, is going to get much, much better and could very well be the quarterback to lead them forwards as a franchise. She's she's only going to get better as, as time goes on. As I say, Remy Olenzok, I think they've got a great player there who could end up being a great receiver if they and, and even running back if they start to utilise her a bit better and maybe get some people up front that can block for them because ultimately, how many times do you hear it in the NFL? The game's won and lost in the trenches. So it's not just necessarily about bad decisions by quarterbacks. I think... You've got to look at how to structure. You build from the line backwards rather than the other way around. Uh, these are all my positives I've got for the crush. Um, just they need to go away. They got hit. The, they got hit the weight room because I've noticed this year they're being overpowered. They got to get faster. They got to get stronger. I like the idea of you know Tamar Fennell and they're trying to combo her out with Mercedes Ephraim. I see she's got the talent there. She's got some speed, but they're not using her as they should. I think uh, Mercedes Ephraim could be one to see if she sticks around for next year. Like you say, Remy Olensock is just the the quintessential part cog of that defense. But another one here that I want to give shout outs to because I saw it in both not just the heart but also against the steam. She sort of put in a great performance. Is Megan Brown as well? She's really powerful on that defense. There's pieces there. They've got to find ways. I mean, the main one, like you said, in the trenches, they've got to stop get let themselves get run over. You've got to go in this offseason, get bigger, get faster, get stronger, come back. And give it some real punch next year. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, we hope that the franchise stays together and we'll look forward to seeing the progress that they make next year. Now, we're going to finish off with two games from week 13 and week 14, which, again, uh, apologise because we're still waiting for the footage to be released. So we're not going to be able to um, properly review these games for you. Um, but as always, be sure to keep an eye on the LFL YouTube channel, www.youtube.com forward slash myLFL for the highlights from the big division highlights from the big conference matchup between Las Vegas Sin and Seattle Mist, which finished Las Vegas 18, Seattle 29, meaning that going into week 14, they did stand a chance against Los Angeles. We will, however, just play you this clip from Coach Mickelson as he explains why Angela Rippon started instead of Mary Ann Hansen in this game. A lot of things come into factor when you're starting a quarterback in this league, uh, and a big key is being injuries. And Mary Ann is injured and out tonight, so therefore Angela gets the nod. However, Angela's doing very well, and I expect a big game from her tonight. So we can hear there that uh, obviously injury was the factor in, in that game decision because I don't think had it been for the injury that there would have been a question that Mary Ann Hansen would have started. I agree. Yeah, Angela Rippon has has gone down. She's gone to the number two spot on the depth chart. 
it seemed to work. They were very tight at one point. I think it, it was it was only a three point game right up into the last sort of drive, and it sort of that twenty nine eighteen looks bigger than it actually is. Yeah, agreed. And so again, we'll keep an eye out for the the footage there for when that gets released. Finally, we have the week fourteen matchup, the big one, the decider to see who would go on to face Chicago in the playoffs, and that was Seattle versus Los Angeles. Now. Before we give you the score, here is what Ashley Solano had to say before the game. Tonight, this game goes beyond redemption. Seattle's going to walk in here all cocky thinking that they got this game in the bag. Well, tonight, we're going to go out and it's do or die time. We're not to be taken lightly. We're going to go out and take some heads off. Wow. What do you think to that, Marcus? That was a bold statement right there, huh? It was the right statement because they were coming in into um, playing at home on Ontario, now knowing that it's going to be playoff and uh, Legends Cup venue. Do they want to be there? Not only that, I believe they've made a big deal about this game that they they kind of rebranded the stadium and gave it its own little name. It's called the Pirate Ship. Yeah, I, do you, uh, I think they obviously took a, a leaf out of the Maidens playbook on that one there. But it, it looks like looking at sort of Twitter and Instagram and following um, Temptation, they made a big deal about this sort of like rebranding it and getting the fans involved. So I think they they had to come in with that attitude that this is do or die. You know, we, we are going to play. I don't want anyone to actually come off that field and feel like they've left anything in the tank. They had to come off that field and they've left everything they could on the field. Yeah, especially as they were one game down effectively as well this year with the game that was cancelled um, resulting in a tie. The one What would have been the game against Green Bay, which would have maybe made the Seattle game a little bit easier for them had they won that one. Should I say had the opportunity to win that one rather than making it sound like they lost? Yeah. So... I say that's the the roundup of the uh, games today. So now we go on to the games to be played. We have this coming week on August the 9th, we have Baltimore Charm versus Omaha Heart, which is a big game for Baltimore more than it is for Omaha because Baltimore is still in with an outside chance of getting into the playoffs. Then we have the Eastern Conference decider who finishes one um, and potentially who finishes two in Jacksonville Breeze versus Atlanta Steam on the 16th of August. And I think, Marcus, you've got a small insight for us as to what needs to go whose way and how many points, etc. Mr. Stato, the man who loves these stats, who needs to do what to get into that conference game against Jacksonville? Right, now bear with me, people, because it's a little bit convoluted. And uh, but here's how it goes. So first things first, that August the 9th game, Charm have to win. No win means no playoff. Then, considering they win, it all comes down to points after that. Because Breeze, Jacksonville Breeze are through no matter what. Because they won the first game of the season, they beat the Charm. So therefore, they even if they were to lose to the Steam, they still beat the Charm in a head-to-head race. Therefore, they go through to playoffs, but they'd be seed two and Steam would be seed number one. However, if Steam lose and Charm win, Steam are still ahead of them at the moment with a a points difference of plus 17. So, which would mean Charm have to win by a significant amount and Steam lose by a significant amount to erase those 17 points. There has to be an 18-point swing in the Charm's favour over the two games to go through. So, that's pretty much it. Charm have to win. If Charm do not win August the 9th, then it's pretty much who's going to come first and who's going to come second 
on August 16th. Just remind me again, so the reason why it comes down to points, did we say that the Baltimore Charm and Atlanta Steam game was one of the tied games or the cancelled games from this year? Yes. Like I said earlier, Jacksonville gets to go through automatically, as it were, even with a loss, because um, the league is settled primarily on head-to-head clashes. Beating the Charm in the first game of the season means that they have the advantage they will go through. Problem is, the Charm Steam game never got played. Therefore, they never had the opportunity for one of them to gain the upper hand on each other. So therefore, it's coming through down to positive score, uh, accumulated score. So points so difference the, for those, for the layman's dif- out there. You know what I mean, people, but this is how it stands, okay? We've got Atlanta Steam on plus 29 points, Baltimore Charm are on plus 12. So if you were to say the Charm will to win by six points and for Jacksonville to beat the Steam by six points, that would only be a 12-point swing. So therefore, Atlanta Steam would still technically have a plus 17 net point score, to the Baltimore Charms 12, so they'd still go through. Okay, excellent. So the playoff games, of course, are to be played on the 23rd of August, both being played in the same night in Ontario. And we know it's going to be Chicago versus Los Angeles for the Western Conference. And as we say, Jacksonville Breeze versus Baltimore Charm or Atlanta Steam. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of LFL Talk. Firstly, I would like to say, Marcus, thank you for another great show. It's been an absolute pleasure, sir. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure for me, too. And remember, fans. Hey, guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. We are also downloadable on iTunes and available on Stitcher Radio, as well as our website, www.ballhawksnest.com. All that remains for me to say now is take care, football fans. Stay safe and thanks for stopping by. 